welcome back to West by Pod Virginia, the best name West Virginia podcast on the whole wide internet, presented by SmokingMusket.com. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at SmokingMusket. As always, after a break, this is your host, Matt Kirchner, the executive tweeter of the Smoking Musket. You can follow me at mkirchner12. I am joined, as always, by our Smoking Musket head honcho, Mike Miller. Mike, it's been a while. How have you been? Uh, I've been busy. I've been a week at the beach, uh, which turned into a, a trip from hell with flat tires and waiting on roadside assistance forever. And then um, right now I'm nursing. I'm low-key nursing a hangover that like it was late onset. Just hit me at like noon today. Woke up this morning feeling great. Not I feel like crap now. So we're going to power through this. You can go shoot fun. a 65 at Carnoustie today. Yeah, I, I I think that guy, I kind of, I gave him his powers to get through that. Like, we were on the same connection. He he drew from my energy this morning, and then yeah, it just killed me at noon, so. So, got a nice show for you today. Um, go through our rundown here really quick. First off, we're going to go that we do have the most boring of all college football off-seasons, and that's why we took a little break from the show, because there was absolutely nothing to talk about. We're going to segue that into a little rant about the basketball tournament and how it is a crime that there is not a West Virginia team. Well, there is technically a West Virginia team in it, but why there is not a West Virginia University team in the basketball tournament. We're then going to be joined by our guest, um, Reddit College Football's Bobak Hayiri, uh, better known as the moderator, honestly. And he is going to break down his world tour of media days in college football, which included a stop in Dallas at the Big 12 media days last week. And we're going to do some college football content preview. And then, as always, we will finish with our dumb thing of the year of the week where Mike is going to go in on Vault Twitter. And I'm just going to sit back and listen. So, I mean, yeah, just quickly here, this has been the most boring college football offseason of all time. And we are now finally about 40 days away from West Virginia's kickoff. And you finally have the light at the end of the tunnel that begins with Media Day, which are even more obnoxious as normal would with coach speak and absolutely nothing that happened in the off season to talk about. Yeah. I mean, it's to the point, it's so boring that we're manufacturing stories now. Yeah, I mean, you have the whole thing with Holder and Mike Lincoln Gundy. Riley in Georgia. Yeah. And we got to the point where we were like debating Paul Feinbaum's contact contract situation and we created a conference expansion story out of it with him potentially taking calls from the big 10 network it's been that kind of off season where your biggest story is the talking heads potential move i mean even we're finally actually getting some content now coming out of media days but we're still manufacturing stories like they're and and some of it might be on the coach's part because lincoln riley you know flat out said that Kyler Murray is not the starter right now, or it might not be the starter. Like this is just manufacturing, just terrible stories. We know what's up. We know Kyler Murray's going to start unless he does bolt for the, the big leagues, but 
You know, I think we this just is got, Lincoln Riley's we need some way scandal of getting or something. back. We do need a scandal. This is Kyler Lincoln Riley's way, future Cleveland Browns head coach Lincoln Riley's way of getting back at Kyler Murray for almost making as much money as he does this year. I never even looked at it from that. That's it. <laughs> There's your yeah, story. On the home front, wrong with that. on the home front, like our coaching staff keeps everything locked down like Fort Knox. Like there's no news coming out of West Virginia right now. There's nothing to talk about. So hopefully in my mind, I'm hoping that all of this pent up dumbness that would normally erupt in June and July will just erupt in October in the middle of the season and give us a legendary on and off field college football season. If not, I'm not sure I can make it through another college football season after this. Like, I need some excitement. I need somebody to go to Tampa and call some hookers just to give us <laughs> something to talk about in July. But then, yeah, there's nothing to talk about, so I'm not going to waste breath trying to talk about it. We'll go in a little bit more detail with the media days a little bit later when we get Bob back on here. But moving on to my rant of the week, I'm going to switch gears and go to basketball and be really mad that there is not a West Virginia University team in the basketball tournament. And if you're not familiar with it, the basketball tournament is an open application, single elimination basketball tournament that is played in the summer. Basically, Anyone who wants to play in it can try to play in it. It is a 64-team field that most of it is made up by teams broken down by region. And the way you get in is by having the most registered fans on your website for the tournament. Um, your teams that got far in the tournament the year before get auto bids. There are some special slots that you can buy in. And then there are just a couple more ways you can get in it at large. They play this year now for a $2 million pot that is split between the team's personnel or charity. Some of that money actually does get kicked back, I believe, to the fans that register for the team if they do win. Yeah, I did see that Like the top 200 fans or something like that get, get actually get some money. But so it's just we it's need a team. <laughs> we do need a team in this. Basically, what it has become is a lot of former college and pro players that have joined in to make alumni teams, more or less. And you have Bayheim's Army for Syracuse, the official team of the Smoking Musket, um, the Hilton Magic Legends of Iowa State. That is per the Riot Bowl Blood Oath. That until we have a team, I am obligated to root for them in the basketball tournament. But you see a lot of old, fun college names like Devendorf plays for Syracuse, and how fun would it be to like dunk on him again? Like it's an opportunity that you never thought you would get to see all of these old players that you love to watch play together again, ostensibly for your school. Right, and this this basketball tournament is four years in now, I believe. Like, it started in 2014. How do we not have a team? Like, John it Flowers gets the whole gang together for an alumni game. 
it's set up right there. There's your team. <laughs> it is infuriating every year when they are not in this, and especially this year. Because there is a team by the name of the West Virginia Wildcats that is captained by O.T. Elmore. And they got absolutely waxed by Ohio State's alumni team last night. And it disgusted me. Yeah, that's what we we trot out. We put it together, you know, a team of Marshall players and throw in a couple... uh... I think there's a Fairmont State player and a West Virginia State player and maybe like a Concord player or something. It is not what we want this team to be. And if it comes to it, this podcast will be the general manager of our the basketball tournament team next year. Yeah, we, we will we'll take the, the mantle there. I'll, I'll, we just got to get some guys together to play. Um, and I and believe I some like of the guys follow us. So, yeah. We're going to put out an APB to get some guys together to play in this tournament next year. Because I feel like, we, saying, like have, we have the talent, I think, to make a run in this. We have a lot of guys getting Euro run. Obviously, you're not going to get Javon in this in the summer while he's with Memphis. But you see a, guys who, a lot of guys who are still playing professionally in Europe play in this thing during the summer. It's just a I mean, fun you day. And yeah, there's a lot of money on the line in it. You could basically put the Final Four team back on the court. You could. If you just take your guys from your Euro run, you could put that team mostly back together with a few more recent pieces as well. Yeah. I, I mean, it's an excellent idea. I'm not sure why nobody's thought about it yet. Um, but like I said, they, they do the alumni game every year. Just roll that right on over into the basketball tournament. The way they play it, you could use it as a tune-up. It, yeah, they know I mean, they, they play, play it right it. before this tournament starts. Right. So maybe the the idea is already out there and they just haven't put it into motion yet. But um, if they keep when waiting, I, we're going to put it into motion. Like I will create this team somehow. I have enough strings to pull that I'll put this into motion. But I, I, when I first tweeted about it this year, because I do every year, one of the guys from the tournament did say that it was very close this year for them potentially getting a team into like the voting rounds. So hopefully it is something in motion. It would be extremely fun. I think it's something this fan base would get into very much in the summer. Uh, it's just fun. There are some fun rules that they use in it. They use what's called the Elam ending at the end of games um, to curtail intentional fouling at the end of games, which basically is means that the after the under four timeout, the teams play to a target score that's basically the leading team score plus seven points. And if you reach that score, that ends the game automatically, either team. So it stops the team that's behind from fouling to stop the clock because there is no clock at that point in time. And but like right off the top of my head I can't come up with a starting five and a bench <laughs> that I think Yeah, would it's not hard. You just have to go to you know, if we go back what six, seven years, we can years. feel a team right there. There. Like right now. 
if you're just looking at guys that are potentially that are playing overseas or trying to get an NBA look, and this is also becoming something like that, where guys who play well in this can potentially get G League or professional looks overseas, you could put together a lineup that's Jawan Staten, Alex Ruoff, Deshaun, John Flowers, and Devin Williams as your starting five, and then potentially bring Jayshon Page, Kevin Jones, and Baxter off the bench. And that's just off the top of my head. And I think that can yeah, be a that, competitive team. They could definitely make a run. Like, you have the talent there. I mean, you can throw in Tariq Phillip. Um, let's see, who else? I, I would say Devin Ebanks. But... Yeah. Never know what you're getting there. Where you yeah. struggle, I think, is big man depth. Because we do have a right. lot of guards and wings. We'd play very small. But you have a squad there, and one that would be fun to see playing together again. What is, while we're thinking of this, what is Dennis Klitschlow up to? Is he's he playing in Turkey. He's playing in Turkey. So, again, there's a Bring center. him home. <laughs> Bring, Bring him home. Shot back. We got to do this, Matt. <laughs> This, I'm on this. This is happening next year. I will will it into existence. And it would be something that we could talk about all summer long. Content. I love it. All about content. <laughs> and again, shouts to Hilton Magic Legends, the official the basketball team of West Bipod, Virginia, and the Smoking Musket until further notice. Until next year. And yeah. sorry, guys. Until 2019. <laughs> and then Riot Ball is on in the basketball tournament. All right. And now we are happy to be joined by Bob Akairi, also known as Honestly, the moderator of RCFB, the Reddit college football community. Bob Ak, thanks for um, taking some time out of your media day tour to record with us. We're happy to have you. How are you doing? Very good. Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Um, so you did the Big 12 last week, and right now you're starting to do a little run-through of the G5. Had a little adventure today, from what I heard. That's that's exactly right. Yeah, and um, it's so funny. I mean, if you want to have a, a juxtaposition of the P5 versus the G5, uh, last couple of years, back-to-back of Big 12 finishes, and in the same in the Metroplex, the um, Conference USA starts the day afterwards. Um, last year, it was even worse. It was like, you know, they, they did the Big 12 over at the Star in Dallas, which is, you know, Jerry Jones' version of uh, OCP Delta City from RoboCop. It's like, this is what happens when you just give a corporate uh, dude, like, who wants to make Cowboy Land his, his, his gift. And uh, last year, Conference USA was then at the airport Marriott in like a, a kind of a dingy conference room. <laughs> this year, they realized that. So um, after, again, Big 12 at the Star in Frisco, which was now even more ornate because they finally finished everything. Uh, last year, the hotel wasn't done in time. So they actually had everyone staying like at a different hotel, like three miles away. And they were they were shuttling people over. But now everything was finished. And um you know, your hotel blanket has the cowboy star kind of artfully hidden in the corner of it. There are these sort of weird abstract paintings of, I assume, cowboys people. It wasn't a player. I think I had either. It wasn't like Landry. It was somebody I don't know. It wasn't Jerry Jones. I, it was some just generic 
abstract old white dude in a suit holding a football. I I, I couldn't tell you who it was from what I saw. But I mean, I'm you, now imagining. Right. I'm now imagining in my head like the creepy room in your grandma's house that has all the dolls, but the dolls are just Troy Aikman in the corner. <laughs> you know. It, it it it's it's just nuts. Like I mean, I, I couldn't believe it when I was walking around. One of the we went to this one Mexican restaurant in this con in this this area just to grab dinner. Um, in between the two media days, and like they had an entire channel that was just cowboy stuff on, over the bar, and I'm like, what? Why? Um, but I mean, I I I know it's a big deal in Texas, but but really, I mean, anyways. Um, I grew up in the L.A. area, so I'm used to two NFL teams just bailing. Um, so you kind of. That kind of burns your 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 enthusiasm for the NFL when you're younger when when that happens. But um, anyway, so Conference USA this year was across the street at the at the hospital, but uh, the Baylor uh, something or other, not like the University of Baylor, the Baylor Medical Center. Um, it had like it was so hard, nobody, including the the Conference USA commissioner, could say it easily. Um, but uh, they have this huge practice field um, at the bottom, so it was it was airy, it was nice, it was fun. But um, so, yeah, I did the Conference USA right now. I just arrived in uh, New Orleans um, for the Sun Belt. This is my fourth year doing the Sun Belt. They put on the best show. They really want you to, to care about the Sun Belt. And I know it's, it's, it's hard and I get it. Um, but they do it in the Superdome because they're actually headquartered inside the Superdome. I didn't know until I moved uh, until I started doing these that uh, the Su Superdome has the offices of both the Sugar Bowl and the Sun Belt headquartered inside the building. So they just have this huge conference room and everyone's in it and you just move from one side of the conference room and then you go to another conference room now last year and this year for a steak breakfast and the uh, the state of the conference and you know here's why you should care about the Sun Belt at least I mean I, I know this isn't about G5 teams I know uh, but the uh, your, your podcast but it's uh, you know they're not as you know they're they're definitely not as you know basket cases that they may have been a few uh years ago and um but yeah so i arrived here this morning and the omni hotel here in new orleans well I, I arrive in the lobby i'm like why are all the coaches just hanging out like there's joe moglia quietly sitting in a corner in the dark there's uh neil brown the the troy coach who's always been a hot commodity now that he's doing so well i'm like why are all these coaches georgia state why is georgia southern's new coach I, it ends up then I looked at the front desk and it was completely dark and uh, the power was out for 10 blocks here in New Orleans. So uh, it was a good excuse to go back to the quarter, French Quarter, and uh, a couple of good bars there I know. I mean, I'm not, I've come here long enough and I'm now old enough that I'm not like, oh, Bourbon Street. I just, there's, but there's still some amazing restaurants and bars out there. So went there, caught a drink, came back, um, and now I'm here. <laughs> um, so. And then after this, uh, it's it's a tough life. I'm going to uh, Vegas tomorrow to uh, cover the Mountain West. They've got this. It's absolutely a rough existence. It is. It is. It really is. I don't even know. Like, I mean, it's a definition of struggle. So, um, so yeah, the Mountain West is fun. They they put on a good uh, thing out in um, in Las Vegas. They they've used the Cosmo Hotel for the past several years, and I I think a few years ago they actually signed a long term deal with that hotel. I stay at a hotel just a block away that I like a lot. But I mean, it's, it's, it's granted, it's like a hundred, I'm not even joking. It's like 115 degrees there this year, this week. But, uh, you know, it's like who, who goes outside in July in Vegas? If you do, you're, you're nuts. But, uh, but inside the casino hotels, it's, it's fabulous. Hopefully you'll have a Musburger sighting at some point. Oh, 
That would be awesome. Yeah, I, I envy the guys who get to cover uh, the circus. We, we finally sent a guy to cover the uh, SEC circus, and that that sounds like it is just a, a heck of a, a thing. Although they, they had it at the um, conference, pardon me, at the College Football Hall of Fame, and then next year they, it was the first time in their history they didn't do it in, like, the Birmingham area. Yeah. But they're going back to Birmingham next year. Uh, so I guess they want to turn it into a road show. I guess next year was contractually obligated. They still had to go back. But I think afterwards they may start like going to various parts of SEC country to host it. So we'll see. They're just gonna start invading other conferences. Media days. <laughs> it's like a satellite camp there. <laughs> a satellite camp in like Seattle, just to just to anger every. Or they don't care enough about the Pac-12. Let's see, Gruden. it would be a better place. Like they'll drop I it. Mean, they'll drop it in Dallas, Detroit, the D.C. Oh, Dallas would be even funnier. Oh, Dallas would be. I mean, I hear the American is moving to Dallas. I mean, the conference is, but uh, like their media day is is not far because they're now in Providence, which made sense when they were the 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 Big East. They still now, use the know, old Big East. Rump. Yeah, they're the rump of the old Big East, and uh, the we've got a guy heading over there too. They 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 have a Newport, Rhode Island, by all those old Vanderbilt and com you know uh, mansions and things like that. Uh, but anyways. <laughs> yeah, apparently the Big East Media Day always had a very good clam bake, from what I've heard. They still do from the Big East. They still day. do. So that's that's like that's the highlight. Yeah, day one, it's just a golf tournament and a clam bake, and then the next day is when you actually meet everybody. It's good to know that some things still exist, even though the league collapsed. So moving on, you hit Big Twelve um last week. If you want to go ahead, run down some of your uh, highlights of the couple of days you were in Dallas, um, including uh, Dana Hogerson shouting out your shirt at his press conference. Yeah. yeah, well, I mean, definitely, definitely the biggest takeaway, I'd say, for anybody who's into the Big 12 is just it is a lot more open this year. There is no dominance by Oklahoma, perceived dominance, where they're going to just, with Baker Mayfield and company, uh, probably roll through and challenge for the playoff. now. I don't know if they're going to be a playoff team. They certainly are Oklahoma still. They certainly are strong. I mean, I'm always hesitant to, to tout a, a bright young coach in their first year having a great success after the previous coach was also having great success. I mean, anyone, uh, speaking kind of a old Big East, anyone remembers Miami with Larry Coker that first year? They were incredible. And then, you know, they kind of petered out when Larry Coker sort of took over. Got, made his print on the Miami football program. So, I mean, we'll see if this is this year and next year are going to be where we're going to, I think, truly see if Lincoln Riley is um, is as good as uh, he seemed in his first year. Now, that said, I mean, there's a lot of challengers. Obviously, West Virginia is a, is a very legitimate challenger. I don't know why preseason magazines are drinking the Texas uh, Kool-Aid again. I mean, Texas they're back. all – I mean – well, that's the thing. I mean, like my my alma mater, and I mean, I can I can separate myself very well from where I went to college for undergrad. I went to USC. We were the classic, like we're loaded with talent, but no results. You know, that was the mantra of the 1990s. When I was a student there, the highlight of my three years at USC was we went to and lost the Sun Bowl to TCU when they were in the whack. That was like that was the highlight of my college years. So I mean, but we we'd somehow chug guys out into the NFL like nobody's business. So, I mean, we'll see if Texas is somehow going to, to hit its stride under Tom Herman, but 
I, I'm a little worried. They're being awfully optimistic. Um, maybe they'll get to eight or nine wins, but some of these preseason mags, like, gosh, Phil Steele or uh, a couple of the others, they, they're putting them in, like, the top 10 or top 20. Maybe the top 20, but I, I think, for example, again, a West Virginia will, will probably handle them pretty well if they, you know, if they were able to square off face-to-face. I can't remember if they do. Uh, in the regular season, yeah, they do. Everyone plays everybody. What am I round saying? Robin, yeah. They have the they have they have round robin, which is what the Pac-10 was before they they went to twelve, which is I think the best way to determine who's the best. Um, granted, then you have a second kind of money championship, which yeah. yeah so, um, but yeah, I think those. Uh, I mean, let's see. Oklahoma State could surprise. They've still got some good. They've still got some good players on on, especially on offense. Although you know they lost their quarterback and. Mason was a was a good quarterback, but they they have Justice uh, Justice Hill, who's a a great you know running back, and and apparently he loves Fort. Half these players um, they love Fortnite. It's actually unreal. I am I I used to play video games a lot as a kid, um, which is kind of you know why my you know why <laughs> I have nerdy pursuits like like helping out on Reddit. But the uh, uh, I'm just shocked. I like I had to look up what exactly it was about. I'd heard of it, but. Uh, until like half the players were talking about it, and apparently some of the coaches at the other media days said it's been kind of a, a headache for them to have to deal with. Yeah, other apparently, players it is Fortnite. the scourge of college football coaches right now. <laughs> exactly, that was that was exactly how they phrased it. But um, but yeah, so I mean, a lot of them, a lot of them play it. But uh, yeah, I mean, you know, in Kansas State, you can never predict. You know, it just depends how uh, Snyder and his <laughs> and his folks do it. But I mean. Dana what sort Dimmel of spell slots he has? Yeah, what sort exactly. of spell slots he has built this year? And he brought he brought two quarterbacks. Uh, we thought that's we were a trying very to out, that's like, a beautiful Bill Snyder move. Yeah, we were like we were scrutinizing <laughs> it. We were like, okay, one's a runner, one's more of a pocket passer, um, and he was using them both last year. But then during his presser, he's like, we're going to see which one is good, and he's like, I want them both to experience this to know what they're going to run into. And he was implying that, no, one of them is going to be the starter. And I'm like, wow, you are way more Machiavellian than I expected from, from, from the nice grandpa who handwrites letters. You know, uh, <laughs> maybe, maybe he, he'll, uh, he'll he has the some prince. of those tendencies. He definitely has some of those tendencies behind the windbreakers. Yeah. Play. So now, Beatty, uh, Dave, B- uh, pardon me, uh, yeah, Beatty at Kansas. He's actually the other coach who noticed my shirt on the first day. He he just briefly said nice shirt, but uh, he, I, I mean, I know. Do you want me to talk about Kansas? I don't know. I I can totally kind of before we get to West Virginia, I can talk about Kansas a little bit because we're I, very Kansas pro on this podcast because they are going to try very hard. The problem with Kansas is hearts. I just don't know how they're going to succeed. I just I don't know if they can possibly hit whatever Jeff Long is going to want for them. And I ran into the weirdest situation because I don't know if you if you recall Jeff Long during his introductory press conference, Beatty wasn't there because he was on vacation. Um, which they're like, oh no, it was a pre it was a pre scheduled vacation. Long told him just go ahead and take it. Um, and then he said during his initial statements during the presser, because they'll have this big press conference and the coaches have an option to kind of say a few things. Most do, some don't. They just go right to questions. But he's like, oh, you know, in some of my uh, interactions with uh, uh, Jeff Long, he, he understands the program, blah, blah, blah. He's just basically saying simple niceties. And I got the chance to ask the first question, not the very first question, but the first question on like, okay, 
Um, Coach, you've talked to uh, – what has he told you specifically about his expectations of the program? And then he answered after, you know, nice shirt. You know, then he kind of went to the meat of his answer, and it was – he's kind of like, well, you know, we haven't really talked that much about it. We haven't really had – we haven't been – he hasn't been on campus at the same time, and now he's going to be on vacation. And I'm kind of like, this is this is sounding like everyone knows. Everyone knows Long is there to basically fire him uh, as soon as Empire. he gets uh, any you know excuse. I I wouldn't be shocked if um, they actually I forgot the FCS team they're playing in the first week, but it's actually not a bad FCS team. It's one that uh, has been projected at potentially becoming uh, at large in the playoffs. So, I mean, it's so when not they lose that the, game. Uh, exactly. The first game. I mean, most people are pointing to that third game where they play Rutgers to kind of see how they compare against a similarly kind of at best mediocre P5 team. But um, we'll see. Uh, that's that's a I big thought question Kansas there. and Rutgers was outlawed by the Geneva Convention. <laughs> How is that a legal you know, thing that's allowed to be played? Oh my goodness! I'm gonna watch it. I, I I like the torture if I can. I mean, assuming it's on some kind of TV that I get, I'm probably more I'll, I'll more likely get that than I will the Pac-12 Network. That's for sure. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, so Kansas. <laughs> what can you say? They're gonna try. Bless their hearts. That's sort of how it looked at the Big 12 going into this season. You still have Oklahoma at the top despite some question mark with quarterback replacing Baker. You have Kansas in the bottom, and they're just, bless their hearts is all I can say about the program. They won't try. That should be, that should be their then, season motto. That... Bless their hearts, they're going to try. And then in the middle, you basically have like a big shrug emoji that you have a bunch of teams that have talent, but a lot of questions. I think West Virginia came in, got that number two in the preseason poll based on the fact that they have a quarterback and basically every other team that could be in contention doesn't right now. So with that being said, what really stood out to you from the West Virginia contingency? Yeah, um, well, initially just talking to uh, Coach uh, Holgerson, I mean, obviously he liked my shirt. That was kind of a funny comment. He made about being down south. He didn't know that, but uh, I actually was. I have a little bit of time between these media days, so when I got to New Orleans, I already planned it. I rented a car because I'd never been to the kind of the Biloxi, Gulf Shores, Mobile area, so I kind of went and drove that. So I actually did go down south in the same type of shirt, not exact same one that uh, he liked so much. But uh, my question to him was actually my only concern was like depth. You've got some great talented guys, but can you last a full? a full, you know, regular season, 12 games, plus a, a potential title game, plus a bowl game, and maybe more if you guys get into the playoff, uh, knock on wood there. But the, uh, the you know, do you have the, the depth to last, especially, you know, in those key positions like line where, where guys can wear out a lot faster? Um, and, you know, he, he seemed to hint that, well, we've been recruiting really well. Uh, but you, you never know until you see it. I mean, hell, USC recruits really well every year. And some years we just don't seem to have the guys ready to step up. Um, and, and, you know, we'll see. We'll see. But I know that was the that was one of the things that messed with Texas. So to speak. <laughs> well, there you go. Uh, last season, they just didn't quite have the depth and they had a lot of key linemen go down like Shackelford. But um, now that said, it was really, really interesting to talk to um, 
to uh, David Sills and then uh, Will Greer. I, I talked to them in that order, and it didn't really matter what order I think you talked to them. They were on the same page because at Media Day, when they have these the players, they're they're completely separate from each other at at individual tables. Now, if it's really quiet, they'll sometimes hear each other talk, but. These guys were, you know, stars uh, among those uh, players that were available on day two. So they were being surrounded um, pretty consistently. So they couldn't listen to each other's answers constantly. And, you know, David Sills, obviously, you know the story. Everyone knows the story. I, you, you kind of joked with me for tweeting about it. But to me, the whole, the whole background with Lane Kiffin was fascinating because I remember when Lane Kiffin did it because I was, uh, uh, I mean, I'm still in the background. I follow USC fairly closely. And I'm like, Lane, why did you do that, man? I mean, because USC has this whole background of we we had Todd Marinovich. I mean, we we we've had a quarterback where everyone's like, oh, he's robo quarterback. He's the perfect kid. He's been raised since birth. He's only been eating good things. He never ate any bad things. Never ate sugar. Like they were, they was. It's a crazy story. I'm sure some of you guys have seen the documentary. But I mean, like, and then you know, he did okay at, as in college, and then we all know what happened afterwards, and it keeps happening to him. Um, and then after Reggie Bush, um, we had a problem. I think any institution will have this problem. If you ever have a Heisman Trophy winner, you should always be careful of naming that hot recruit that's coming in the very next so-and-so. Um, on kind of a, a sad note, actually, the guy who they called the next Reggie Bush was um, Joe McKnight, who Joe, unfortunately yeah. got, he got killed uh, actually here in New Orleans uh, a few years ago. But the, uh, that, he never quite you know, hit that level of expectation. So I'm like, really, Lane, you were, you were, um, you know, all of these things, you know, why did you call this poor kid? Uh, you know, like he didn't call him the next anything, but you know, you kind of, you, you put, I think sometimes unnecessary pressure on these guys. I mean, they're young. I mean, I remember what I was like back then. I, I can't even fathom what this would be like for him. So I can't imagine you know, having kind of, expectations on me at that oh, age. Yeah. And he had that superstar quarterback coach who had, who had, you know, trained everyone. So to me, his story is so fascinating to watch him. You know, it seemed like he was bottoming out when he transferred out to the JUCO to try and, and pursue a quarterback career. And then I, I'm amazed at how he came back, bounced back, and became basically one of the top five, if not higher, running backs, probably uh, wide receivers in the country. I mean, that is that is just... I mean, that is just phenomenal. And he comes off so, like, you're like, this kid, I mean, I don't know if it's an act, but he convinced me that he, he's got it together. Um, and you hear him talk about working with, uh, with Will Greer and, and, and you know, uh, what he enjoys about being a wide receiver and being able to use that to his advantage. Um, and, and, you know, you hear that talk, but then you go over to, to Will and you talk to him. And he's like, you know, it's just amazing to have that guy as your wide receiver because he'll talk to me about plays. He'll want to. You know, he'll want to, you know, well, if I do this, will it may help you? And, and I, I, obviously there's, there's a history of, of some great, of some okay quarterbacks or good quarterbacks who became even better wide receivers in the league. But, um, you know, it's still, it was fascinating to hear it. Um, and you can understand why there's such a, such a dynamic pair together. Um, yeah, on, on the, the other side page. of the ball. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, on the same page really describes them to a T because you saw last season Greer was hurt, how much he struggled in particular. Everybody struggled with the backup quarterback situation, but Sills in particular did. That relationship between the two of them is extremely strong. And really one of the most impressive things I've seen a college player do recently, especially just from like the, the ability to swallow your pride and 
come back and admit that you want to make that big move back to wide receiver is really impressive. But yeah, go ahead. It really is. Go <laughs> on. Uh, yeah. Keep going. Sorry. Well, and still, it was funny because I was ta- listening to him talk, and uh, he said he was quite candid. He's like, I didn't really understand how the JUCO, so, you know, the he didn't say market, but the JUCO market worked. It's like the teams are looking for who they need, who they have a need for, and no one really had a need for a quarterback who is like me. So he kind of, you know, he kept a good relationship, and that is also important. He kept a good relationship with the coaches and the staff at West Virginia. Um, they really, I think, also it's a credit to the coaches for, uh, you know, you do what you need to do. Um, and then so that when he came back, it, was, it wasn't, uh, you know, a bitter pill or he doesn't sound like there's a certain sense of bitterness. Because sometimes there will be that. Sometimes you can sense a player's just counting the days and they're just like, look, I got to do this. Uh, but he seems to really want to be there. And I think, I think that, that shows. I mean, he's a, it's amazing to have a player like that. Because, I mean, the other player who did a, a stint in Juco was for totally different reasons, but is also now a star player. Was, and he was at Media Day. It was Dakota Allen of, the, uh, of Texas Tech. Because he obviously got in the doghouse for some burglaries. I can't remember exactly what it was. And then he was on Last Chance U. And now he's back to being a, a great you know, linebacker for uh, Texas Tech. But, you know, that's a, that's a totally different way of going about it. But to, to watch David Still, that's just an incredible story. Now, on the other side of the ball, I talked to um, uh, Drayvon uh, Askew-Henry. And, uh, you know, I didn't get a chance to talk to the other guy. There was, a, I think it was, uh, was it Long? David Long. Um, yeah, David Long. David Long was there. Yeah, I didn't get a chance to talk to him. But, you know, he was saying, uh, 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 Drayvon talked basically on both their behalf. Because he said, I said, well, what are you guys doing to kind of, you know, to shore up that defense, uh, to make those improvements and, and fix what was going wrong last year? And, you know, he made a big point about the fact that um, they were uh, they were trying to be better leaders. And sometimes you hear that, and it's kind of like, there's generic player answers you always hear, like, oh, we're a family. Oh, you know, we're coming out with a new attitude. Oh, we're going to be more aggressive on the ball, is classic for the defenders to say. I mean, it's so funny. When you cover 46 teams, you get used to the, the, the themes that show up as kind of like players speak. But, uh, and I'm sure you guys do too, hearing a lot of interviews. So, but, you know, he was talking about how they were doing it. It's like, look, now every time, you know, we'll, we'll get together, we'll talk about just who isn't performing. Um, we'll talk about which coaches do we need to talk to. We'll talk about, you know, the leaders trying to take that kind of uh, initiative to sort of hammer the, uh, to sort of put the, uh, put the group in line. Um, not necessarily in a punitive way, but just in a way to kind of make sure everyone's on the same page and, and get them serious about that. So he seemed quite passionate about it. It wasn't like it was a, a rote memorization like, oh, this is what the the sports information director told me to say to the press it was actually like he clearly believed what he was saying i think i may have put that i may have put a clip of that on our twitter channel somewhere but uh uh i thought it was i thought it was compelling i thought it was better than just generic players speak when when trevon said that so seems optimistic for that defense at least in attitude and it's really good to hear that from that position. It's where we've gotten a lot of our leadership from in the past, going back in Carmel Joseph, uh, Kaiser White. That position that Henry plays is always sort of a leadership position on the defense at West Virginia. And I do think we have talent there. Um, the biggest question, like you said before, just comes back to depth. I think we have one of the most talented top 22 in the conference and maybe top 10, 15 in the country. But 
the season, I think, is going to come down to a lot of injury luck. If we're in a, you know, good position in terms of there, I think the sky can be the limit. I think the talent's there. It's just hard going through a season, especially in the Big 12 on defense when you're on the field so much. It's a big question mark, and it's something that was good to ask out there. The good news is it seems like you guys have the players on offense to put up the points. So hopefully, hopefully, I mean, there have been teams that have done, gotten pretty far on almost the purely key, offense, even when the... Yeah, and the key, I think, for them is going to be being opportunistic. I think you've seen in the past with teams like the, like, your top five Oklahoma State's teams, the hot, like good Baylor teams, the defense on the whole isn't that great because no defense in the Big 12 is going to be statistically great. The key is being opportunistic with your big plays on defense, your turnovers, your quarterback pressures, things like that. You need to go into the knowing that you're going to give up points and realizing that at the end of the day, it might not be the worst thing because your offense is getting the ball back, but that you need to make some big plays now and then. Yeah, absolutely. You know, one of the other teams, uh, one of the more famous teams in college football was that 2005 USC team that lost to Texas um, in the Rose Bowl. And they, were, they weren't that great on defense, especially towards the end. I mean, they left, I forgot how many points on the board to Fresno State. It was an incredible game. It won Reggie the Heisman. I mean, it sealed the anyway. Reggie Bush, the, the like sideline spin game. Yes. Oh, that game was, I couldn't believe it. It was like watching a video game player because you just don't, you don't just hit right and the player at full speed makes a turn and just is running at full speed to the right. I mean, that was, I felt bad for Pat Hill, the guy. And I mean, he's like, he's still associated with Fresno State. He loves the team. He even stayed in town after they fired him. But like, that was, that was the peak of his career. After that, Fresno State just wasn't the same. And, I mean, it wasn't just because David Carr wasn't even at Fresno State during that game. But, I mean, you know, he had that David Carr era where they, they unexpectedly burst into the top ten. And then, um, yeah, and then they just kind of petered out after that. And, you know, they fired him and then found out, you know, it's kind of hard to replace a guy like that immediately. They now have yeah. with Tedford. I'm glad they got Jeff Tedford. He seems to – I mean, he was the perfect fit. He's been there for so long. He had been the quarter. he's actually – I think he was quarterback coach for Lane Kiffin back in the day when uh, Kiffin was a quarterback over at Fresno State. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it, it can be, it can be, that was, that, it's a rare example of a guy who just, that was, you can, that's the crest. That was the crest of Pat Hill's Fresno State teams. But, um, so, but back to the Big 12, I really do think, I mean, if West Virginia can get any, you know, a, just a reasonable defense on the field and continue to produce what that offense has the potential of, of doing, it it could just roll over everyone. I, we might see an offense that hasn't been seen. I mean, what was the last time you guys the the, the best offense was what Pat White era? Would that be it? Or, now, yeah, uh, the two thousand seven offense with Pat White. Yeah, I remember that. And that then was, you also that have was... the uh, the twenty twelve offense. That first year we went to the Big Twelve with Geno Smith, Stephen Bailey, and Tavon Austin. Oh yeah, the defense on yeah, that team do... was so bad that the offense couldn't make up for it. But I stand by that that team was one of the most fun, bad college football teams ever. Oh, yeah, any team that can. 
any team that can throw up points is, is just fun. It's just fun. That's the reason why people like watching Mountain West games sometimes. Or back when they used to call it the wacky whack, their games would just turn into the. I mean, I loved watching that that 2007 um, pretender Hawaii team because they they barely won so many of those uh, games in that undefeated regular season, but they were so entertaining. Like, these games would turn into just fist fights, you know, and, and sometimes literally, I mean, if you, in some of Hawaii's old games, they would get into fist fights quite frequently on their field, but the, um, it was just, it was spectacular, and you were just kind of like, this team is awful, they're going to get killed by Georgia, but, and they did, but, um, they did. Uh, but they're fun. That year should have, yeah, exactly, that year should have, that year should have matched uh, a good BCS, uh, you know, not the title game, but a good BCS bowl would have been the 2007 USC versus the 2007 Georgia. That was the game we didn't get. Instead, the Rose Bowl stupidly decided to use a rule where they could reach down and get, like, a, a teen-ranked They took team. Illinois so that year. They yeah, took right. Illinois because they wanted to maintain the stupid partnership, which I get, but if, if all you can pull is a Ron Zook, Illinois team that doesn't deserve to be in the Rose Bowl, that was, that was just poor poor idea. Poor, uh, you know, I don't know. Just, it wasn't a great idea for them. But uh, anyway. So... Going on um bit of the big picture, as an SB Nation podcast, we do need to check in with the former child of Spencer Hall at every day should be Saturday. You are now the keeper of the Fulmer Cup. And I'm very intrigued to see where it stands this offseason, which has been the most boring college football offseason of all time. I'm gonna have to agree with you on the boring part. It is I mean to be frank, I, and, and this is actually kind of going back to the hotel losing power. I haven't had a chance to look into details. Uh, I was planning to look, oh, I'll look in the hour right before. I'll look through all the data that we have so far. I don't have the updated stand. That said, um, this has been a rather dull Fulmer Cup. I mean, the only highlight uh, so far, at least the one that's memorable, I believe it was a pair of Illinois players, stole a statue of a deer and put it on top of their house. And, I mean, yeah, it's theft, but... That's college hijinks theft. That's like kind of like okay, I I don't do that, but I can get this. This is something college kids do. It was like, was it two years ago where that Kentucky player who had a nickname Taco Meat got arrested for like trying to steal a a, <laughs> a parking meter, and like the cops didn't see him steal a parking meter. They saw him running with a parking meter, <laughs> and, and the fact that dude was named Taco Meat. It's like, oh man, this is this is. This is such stupid college stuff that you, you just have to appreciate it. Um, that said, I mean, right now, everyone, we're kind of holding our breath to see what happens with Rutgers again because they, they apparently have some credit card fraud going on now. Sometimes the school will kind of hide it for a long period of time. And Florida did that last year. Um, it was the last year. I think it was last year. And yeah, uh, last year. We, we couldn't score it because the way the Fulmer Cup works, and we try to keep what uh, – what Spencer created, we basically only refined the rules just a little bit. And like we added FCS teams as well to kind of have more possible activity. Um, you can't go any lower than that because no one really reports what's happening at D2 or, or D3. But uh, FCS teams, for the most part, you can hear stories. But anyway, so um, Florida held on to it so long. There were no charges filed and there were no arrests. We can't score anything unless someone's been arrested or someone's been charged until well after the season was ended. And we weren't going to go back and rescore the whole thing. That just, it's, it's, the bottom line is, it's a dopey award. It's supposed to be fun. I mean, granted, every mm. now and again, something horrible, truly Something horrible, horrible happens. happens. I, well, I mean, what happened was, I mean, Spencer got 
and and his crew got tired of of running it around um I forgot what year it was, but it was right after Vandy got in all that awful uh rape situation with the uh, that still I think it's still getting resolved all the criminal cases now. So, you know, we said, "Hey, do you mind if we pick it up because we noticed he stopped he they weren't running it that following season." So, you know, we were like, "Well, you know, it can be a fun thing, so why don't we see keep this sort of thing alive in some formal way?" So we did. We took it over. He, he gave us, uh, you know, his his passive. I mean, he on Twitter he he said, "Go ahead." So we took it over, and we've been running it since. And um, the, our luck, the week we started doing it, a player from Maine killed somebody. I mean, and like he went, he's he was charged with first degree murder and attempted murder. And we were like, "Oh my goodness, this is like the hot. This is like, you know, we actually had to look at the scoring again. We're like." He gave this like ten points. Was murder on like, here? <laughs> it was, but it never got it never got used. We're like, this is like, this is like three thefts. This is kid. This doesn't make sense. So we're like, okay, we're making murder like something really high, like twenty five points. And then you know, cannibalism. We're like, we'll make that a uh, twenty four for you know an incompletion. Or no, 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 no. Incompletion was like you know attempted. But we're like cannibalism. What do we even do with this? And oddly enough, speaking of cannibalism. Um, a few years <laughs> ago, we thought we had it. We thought we had it. It wasn't because somebody actually killed someone and ate them. It was because a, a Boise State player bit the ear of a chunk of an ear off of another player. So, we, or another player, another guy. I can't remember. We we're like, oh my gosh! If he swallowed it, that's cannibalism, isn't it? So, one of the other moderators actually tried to call Boise, like whatever police department arrested him, and kind of was like, "Can we get the criminal report?" We didn't say like, "We just want to know if he swallowed." Uh, but uh, but we're like okay, um, no, we couldn't quite figure it out. But we we're kind of hoping we 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 kind of fall into cannibalism on that one. Uh, but most of the stuff, I mean, honestly, those aren't quite as those don't make it an enjoyable. But we we prefer like again the antics. Like last year, Alcorn State scored some. The funny thing is, people are like, oh well, if Florida had counted, they would have won. The funny thing is, the team that won was Alcorn State because they had a food fight. And that sounds ridiculous in and of itself, but 20-plus players were arrested over this food fight. I actually saw a very short video clip of it. It looks like it was – it got violent. Like, people actually started throwing people in the corners and punching them in the aisle, you know, that kind mm -hmm. of, that kind of uh, uh, nonsense. But the scoring, like, we actually saw the original, like, the original list of charges. If it had happened later in the season, we would have gone with it, but because it happened in, like, February, by the time we were wrapping up at the beginning of September, they had already kind of, they, they had tossed out a lot of the charges to kind of plead it down because they were like, we don't want to put all these kids in prison forever for a, for a big, you know, a big brawl. So they, they reduced the charges to be like something that still had a crazy total. But if they had done the original totals, it was like, we, it was like 300 points. It was something like, to give you an idea, that's like triple the, the previous title holder. Like, you don't get that many players. Like, we were kind of hoping they were all kept suspended for a game because how would you even feel the team at that point? They lost so many players. We're like, they're going to have to all be walk-ons. They're not going to have I somehow completely missed this. This is a phenomenal story. Oh, it was, it was off-season. That's why. It was just – we couldn't even believe it. And that's a problem, too. I mean, FCS team, not even, like, a big one like North Dakota State or, you know, a, a powerhouse like Jacksonville State or, you know, it just – it was a random team, you know, not a – particularly good team and this just this all went off the rails for them and 
I mean, previous years, there was a guy, my, one of my favorite, just a guy just having a bad day that goes crazy. We had a Colorado player, and uh, he won the individual award on his own by just, he had like the worst breakdown with his girlfriend you could possibly have. Um, he didn't, I, I don't think it got too violent. Like, I don't think he punched her where you'd be like, oh, this guy's just, yeah, I mean, he still is horrible what he did, but it got, he was like, you could tell he was having a mental breakdown because over, he apparently, the girl, the, the way the, the story, the, the way the story ends up, the girl checks his phone while he's asleep, sees he's been texting another girl, confronts him by throwing water on him, and says, who's this? So at this point, it's not entirely clear what happened, but uh, what was said, but he starts to just lose it. And he's, you know, punching walls. He took a giant teddy bear and lit it on fire on the stove. That's <laughs> one of the things that got included in the fact. So, you know, this is not your run of the mill. Like, this is like clearly the guy's like, well, I guess you won't be needing this. You, you could totally imagine. Like, and then mm -hmm. when the police, or she leaves, she goes into a neighbor's place and he wants to still, like, obviously yell. So he goes and tries to break down that door. And then the police arrive, and he tackles the police down the stairs of the apartment complex. You're like, this dude just completely lost his mind, um, you know. And you know, he just he just broke the reality. Now I think he might still be in jail right now, unfortunately. But that's well, a I very mean, uh, fortunately you can't do that sort of thing. But I mean, but I mean, it's just like wow, this guy. Like you read the, I mean, he got charged with so many things, like so many different cases of broken property of of you know attacking the police he tackled them so one and they both went down the stairs so two different officers one of them was injured i mean he just piled everything on you could possibly do in this in this incident and it's just crazy like you read it and you're like he burned a, a, a large teddy bear on the stove i mean oh man imagine if the building had burned down that would have been horrible but imagine if like, arson. i mean arson points we were kind of we're we are still hoping and Oh, college football, college basketball finally got something we'd always wanted. Uh, a player going abroad and getting arrested. Obviously, that happened in China uh, last year with UCLA. But we were so hoping one of these Harbaugh trips would end up with a player accidentally, <laughs> I don't know, committing treason or, or something inadvertent. Yeah, or, but that would have been. <laughs> I could see him doing it, but inadvertently thinking he's helping somehow. Like he would do something he thinks And causing would, would an international. Help. Incident. incident exactly like somehow the oh, eiffel yeah. tower bends or something like that I, I i don't know you know uh this 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 nut seems loose let me unscrew it you know uh, and i'll re-screw it back in uh and it I, just destroys I, the I eiffel tower that's a very horrible thing that's a very yeah. very horrible thing then that's the kind of thing that the former cup exists for it can get exactly. dark and depressing at some points but just the kind of college football stupidity is what the former cup exists for and i am glad to know that it is still in good hands after being passed off by spencer yeah and so, rutgers by the way keep an eye out for rutgers because boiling green they just had two players get busted for credit card fraud um that had happened a month ago and uh they got charged one guy got charged with three felonies telecommunications uh fraud which was a felony apparently in the state of uh ohio but uh we'll see my favorite charge name was hacking a uh, coastal carolina player apparently uh I think did something to break into his girlfriend's phone or something. Some of this, it's just a, you know, just stupid, you know, relationship drama that, that goes a step too far there. But he got charged with hacking, which I think is hilarious.
That's so keep so keep uh, remember. I will keep in mind yes, on yes Rutgers. Yeah. Always, always say yes to snitching. So just to finish up here, really quick, I want to get just knee jerk. We are forty days away, I think, from the real week one of college football. A little bit less than that to week zero, where we send Stanford to Australia. And if you just had to go off out of your top of your head right now, who's your playoff, um, your national champion, and your Heisman right now? Wow, Heisman. Heisman right now, I might even say Will Greer if he has a good season. I think that's the quarterback from a team where if it gets far enough, I think he's going to get the attention. I, I don't I don't think I'm off base and playing Homer to your, your podcast by saying that. I think he has a very good chance. Um, if not His some chance will back. come in the last four weeks of the season, if they're in a good position where he gets to play Texas, TCU, Oklahoma state and Oklahoma. In yeah. The Cause last Oklahoma is your season. home is your home finale. Isn't it? Yeah. Oh, that's good. That was the That'll last game. A, and they probably cool. can turn around and play again the next week. Yeah. That'll be awkward. Won't it? I mean, uh, that happened in the, uh, that really awkwardly happened in the mountain West. The rules kind of broke. So, uh, they two teams played week after week, and the team that should have hosted didn't host because of the every category but the one category that stupidly the Mountain West had selected as the the home decision uh, switched which team hosted, and it ended up making a difference because the home team won. But striking that out of the way, I think the national champion, gosh, oh, who's who are my final four? Um, I think you have to say Alabama would be realistic because the quarterbacks, you know, I mean, even if they have a quarterback so the question, of the universe, them, it's Alabama. Yeah. Yeah. They're going to they're going to be one of the spots. So let's see who are the other three. Um, you know, I think Clemson will probably get it around and 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 make a, a big play for that. I don't know if Miami or 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 some of the other ACC teams can quite challenge them yet. Now, the Big Ten. I don't think the Pac-12 will send a team. I just don't. It's a shambles right now. If anyone gets through, everyone's saying Washington. I, you know, maybe they will. But the problem is USC is this weird team that even if we're having a bad year, a team like Utah will go undefeated or a team like Washington will go undefeated. They'll walk in and then we'll just clock them. Because it's like, I don't know if you saw that movie, The Great White Hype with Damon Waynes. It's like the, the old champ that's just out of shape who just, yeah, every now and again can throw a haymaker. And I, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see if anyone in the Pac-12 can get it out. I don't think they will. So leave, with putting them aside, now all of a sudden we're looking at the other two. Hopefully we won't see two from the same conference. I think that's stupid in the uh, in the playoff era. I think it's not fair. I think it should be conference. I think I'm one of the people that thinks it should be an 18 playoff. It should be all five conference champions, three at-larges, and, you know, one G5 in there for sure. But all that said, I think, Gosh, whoever comes out on top in the Big 12, I think they'll definitely be in there. And then the big, probably the Big 10 champion. I, I don't know if we're going to see some nonsense where a team wins the championship and doesn't go. But I guess in the Big 10, I, Ohio, it's, it's still Ohio State's to lose. I don't know if Michigan's quite got it yet. And there's certainly no one else in the other division that I would, that I would put any money on. All right. And it's wide open. I think, Bobak, thanks you for yeah. coming on. We really appreciate it. It was a good conversation. Enjoy your media day tour. And Absolutely. hopefully you'll be thanks. back on sometime soon. Anytime, guys. Thank you for having me.
And finally, thanks again to Bob Ack for coming on with us. We really enjoyed that interview. We will now finish up as we always do with the dumb thing of the year of the week. Last time we did two of these. This time I am going to completely cede the floor over to Mike, and he is going to lecture us all about Vault Twitter. Mike, the floor is yours. All right. So before I get started in this, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and say that I've kind of always had a bit of a soft spot for Tennessee. I've got some friends that were Tennessee grads, um, and they're really cool. Like so, I thought all Tennessee fans were cool like this. But then uh, this summer, Vol Twitter, just the worst of the worst have come out. And I know this is, we kind of we kind of go in on our own fans on social media sometimes because we really do have some dumb fans on social media. Um, but Vol Twitter takes the cake. And it, it's quickly made me despise Tennessee. Um, so I had to dig back through a few years to pull up some content here. And I'm just going to, I've edited this for, to update it for my liking. Um, so this, these are my thoughts on Tennessee right now. I, I just hate Tennessee. Uh, first of all, because it's Tennessee and I hate them because uh, they're low down. They're dirty. There's some snitches and I hate Jeremy Pruitt. I hate their colors. I'm not a dog person. I just hate Tennessee, man. Like, I hate Neyland Stadium. It looks like a garbage truck worker convention. And I hate all their quarterbacks. I I, I just hate Tennessee. Uh, their colors. Reminds me, it's not that orange if you can... I, I hate Tennessee more than I hate Oklahoma State. I just dislike Oklahoma State. I hate Tennessee. See, Tennessee colors, it's that, it's that throw-up orange. It's not that orange that you can set with. It's that puke inside a pumpkin orange. And I just... I don't like pumpkins. So I just... I, I just really don't like Tennessee, man. I can't stress that enough. And they're losers. They're sore losers because uh, they're not West Virginia. And I, I just hate Tennessee. So in scene there. <laughs> um, so let me actually go in on them here. So I'm not sure I've ever come across a more entitled fan base with a persecution complex. Like you, Tennessee has not been the Tennessee of old. They haven't been that since 1998. Uh, but in their heads, they think they are. Uh, we've got guys, one Vol in particular, coming to Morgantown and standing outside Milan Puskar Stadium in his finest jorts that would make even the most Florida man insanely jealous. Like, these were nice jorts, and he's out there holding a flag on our turf. And this guy, in, he's sending... In this gas economy. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> so he, after that, he followed that up by sending our players DMs. He's DMing our players, sending them just vulgar messages, like our our incoming freshman. He told Bryce Wheaton he sucked a dick or something like that. Like I don't understand this, and it all came to a head last week, late last week. Um, I guess after SEC media days when. Uh, Dan Mullen showed off his Gators uh, Air Jordans and some Vol Twitter account, you know, said something about how they look like Walmart shoes and Walmart fired back at Vol Twitter. And all of these people are now up in arms boycotting Walmart, which is insane because that's where half of their fans get their jerseys from. Again, throwing stones when I live in a glass house because half of our fans get their jerseys from Walmart, too. 
but we don't pretend. <laughs> like we don't pretend that we don't. Tennessee fans have this complex, and it's bad when you. They have pushed our dear friend Afton completely to the West Virginia side. Like she was riding in the middle. This was the Afton Bowl. And I think I saw her tweet the other day that she is she is despising Tennessee right now. Look what you've done. <laughs> I do not condone the fan wars because they're dumb. And I and I've turned down opportunities because we've had other team blogs for these non-conference games come to us and try to manufacture preseason <laughs> Twitter wars certain fan bases that we played last year to break, yeah, that, that's to, an easy guess <laughs> uh, to manufacture a twitter war to create in-game hype and i'm still not advocating a twitter war but this didn't have to be manufactured this came out of nowhere i was not completely out of the lead, i was not expecting the lead up of this game to be like this but Tennessee get better. Like, if you're going it's, to come at us with this, at least be funnier. <laughs> they get so laugh. mad. And one of my friends that I, I said was uh, a Tennessee grad. He, I DM'd him or messaged him, and I was just like, how are you, and the other guy that I'm friends with, like, how are you the only good Vols? Um, and he he messaged me back, and he was like, the the champions of life thing last year they didn't even get mad about that until people started making fun of them they cannot handle being made fun of which i think bearing you know excluding a few west virginia twitter social media people we kind of like just let that roll off our backs for the most part like this like, you got to roll with at it. the end of the day we love it but it's very dumb and if you can't make fun of yourself in this sport, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> yeah, I mean... And what I've ran into <laughs> with Vault Twitter is the inability to make fun of yourself. Right, like, they you take themselves in, so seriously. You went 4-8. and eight. You didn't win a game in conference, and you fired your coach. And then you underwent the most embarrassing coaching search that has ever happened. Make fun of yourself about it. Have fun with it. It's a big, dumb, stupid game played by a bunch of kids that most of them aren't particularly good at it. (laughs) (laughs) Enjoy it. And I will say, um, I did see somebody from our side got into like the president's box or something at Neyland Stadium and held up the, the flying WV. That... Why even fire back with that? I mean, I don't know. If we're firing back at Vol Bandit, we're wasting our time. Right. But I mean, that's the kind of stuff that it's not worth getting into. I did see, after I think you made that Photoshop of his jorts, you know, replacing the flag, um, his his fiance or whatever Mm -hmm. was like, those were not jorts, they were blue, uh, whatever, shorts. They weren't jorts. And I was like, no, they're jorts. Like, for the sake of argument, they're jorts. So, yeah, that's uh, it's a, the dumb thing this week, or the year of the week. It might be the dumb thing of the year entirely. It, very well. I, 
I kind of don't like eventually see how this game's going to go. <laughs> Not even the game itself, the fan interaction. Because I feel like it's been building up, up as like, we get closer. Yeah. This is not a rivalry in any way. This when you when this came on the schedule, it's like, oh, this is a fun little intersectional game. But ugh, fun is the key word, and fun is what Tennessee Twitter seems to not be able to do with college football. Yeah, they've completely sucked all the fun out of it for themselves. I'm so, I'm still having fun, so I'm exhausted, <laughs> and it, this game is forty days away. <laughs> Yeah, so but congratulations. I, just, I, I fear that some of our worst are going to match up with just any of them. Like, it's just going to be bad, and we're going to read news reports about it, but you're going to have that anyways, I guess. So if you're listening to this and you're one of our dumb fans, don't... Don't be dumb. Fight. Don't Just don't give in to it. Like, don't be dumb. Not worth it. Never worth it to be dumb in real life. Just be dumb online. Right. And with that, we are going to sign off from another episode of West by Pod Virginia. Thanks again for listening. As always, this is Matt Kirchner, joined by Michael Miller. Remember the five. And here to lead us out is the most cursed song I've ever heard. Here's 311 covering an offspring song. <laughs> Goodbye, folks.